Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackerman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers, in addition to a suite of products designed to help organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Joined as always by my co-host, Amber Hunter. Hey, Amber, how's it going? Hey, Bruce. I'm happy to be here, and we're very fortunate to have two guests. Do you want to let our listeners know who we were lucky enough to snag to join us today? Yes, we have two awesome guests from south of the border. We got Samantha Bacall, the senior VP. Are you senior or just VP now of of, uh, GFAC? VP. No promotion yet. Okay, well, we can't (laughs) jump the gun. And we got (laughs) one of the top 50 economic developers in North America. We got Casey Gokris, Senior Director of International Business Development. Casey, Sam, welcome to the program. How are you guys doing? So good. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, doing well. Thanks, Bruce. What's new in your life, guys? Well, I uh, just got married about two months ago, so that was big personal life goings on. Got a kitten, Congrats. so we're rocking and rolling. And then, of course, developing the economy of Greater Phoenix, so that's been pretty great for me, Casey. Amazing. Yeah, I just got back from a, a whirlwind of travel, um, both domestically and internationally, so I'm looking forward to a very relaxing weekend and catching up with family and friends that I've missed over the past few weeks. That sounds amazing. And Sam, rumor is it you're truly married to your job. I think you got married at GPEG headquarters. Is, is, is that rumor <laughs> true? Could you confirm or deny that for our listeners? I can confirm that. For those of you who have been to the Greater Phoenix Economic Council um, office, we have this really beautiful balcony. We're on the 25th floor in downtown Phoenix, and our balcony is on the northeast corner. So the view is straight up central, the entire East Valley. So the, we have the cityscape in the background, the mountains in the background, and my husband is also in economic development, so it's even more meaningful to both of us to have that view for our ceremony. Did you guys step out of the reception to kind of work at RFIs in the middle of the wedding, or did you kind of hope for that at home? <laughs> it was part of our vows that we would not work during our weddings, and we did manage to do that. <laughs> wow, it seems like you guys have an impressive work-life balance. Now, Sam, we know you come from Surprise, Arizona by way of Nebraska. Could you talk some about some of the lessons you learned working uh, with Janine over in Surprise? And, of course, do you miss working on Snacks with Surprise, some of your uh, vintage stuff on YouTube? (laughs) Every day, Bruce. (laughs) I joke that I'm a recovering YouTube star. (laughs) But I love having Snacks. We had Snacks with you when we were in Montreal many years ago now. You were one of the first episodes we did, and certainly the first international one. Yeah, Um, definitely raised my blood sugar level for sure. (laughs) Uh, but man, I learned so much. I came from uh, private sector. I was working for a commercial general contractor for 10 years before I joined Surprise, both in operations and then also in the business strategy and business development side. And um, the opportunity to, came up for me to take the skill set and apply it to a city rather than a you know construction company. And I thought I knew like. I thought I knew what I was doing and like how to talk about sales and strategy and holistic thinking, but coming to a city is a whole new lens of holistic thinking in terms of what's the big picture here? 
who does this impact and how do you need to get everybody on board? And so working in the city certainly learned like a second language, essentially, of how do you speak to the city, to the people at the city? Who do you talk to? Who don't you talk to? What do you say? What don't you say? (laughs) In every different scenario, it was a very different nuance. And so I so appreciate having the ability to translate when I hear a question from a client be answered by a city and it's not quite what they were asking to be able to supplement with a translation to what they were hoping for and vice versa. Um, The other thing I got out of working at Surprise and certainly with Janine specifically is her diplomacy skill set, her international business acumen, just the way she manages her workload and her strategy for the city was very impressive. And I'm hopeful that more of that rubbed off on me than not. So I, I really came away with so many lessons I didn't expect to learn. Interesting. And, and Casey, to round it to you in, in kind of the same vein, you're coming from Arizona. Um, uh, you're now in Arizona coming from Virginia. Can you kind of maybe talk to some people about the difference from, you know, representing the South to now the West, as people kind of know, but specifically the Southwest. And are there any major differences, you know, in your role uh, that you didn't maybe foresee that have kind of come to play in uh, switching, you know, these regions? Yeah, um, I will say, Coming, it, there are major differences. So in the south southeast, um, not to say that the southwest isn't very relationship driven. It is, but in the south, there is like a whole different level of whining and dining the client. Um, and not to say that we don't do that here, but here it's there's a lot more transactions happening every single day than where I came from, particularly in the in Virginia. So we're closing deals or starting deals at a much faster pace just because the development is, is, is hot right now. Um, but I do miss that Southern, Southern hospitality, Southern charm. It's just a different type of hospitality out here in the Southwest. And um, the great thing is in the Southwest is I get exposed to so many different types of deals because there's so much product here. Um, there's ready to go product versus where I was in, in the Southeast. So that's something that I've really particularly enjoyed of working a small deal, going into a soft landing space, all the way up to a huge manufacturing or industrial deal, uh, going into a million plus square feet of space. So there are slight nuances. I'm a Southern girl at heart, so I get to bring my Southern charm to the Southwest um, and kind of lay it on and out here. <laughs> it's very effective. It's, it's a great a meeting of two worlds. You still can use that charm and, and that Southern hospitality, but uh, all the business. So it's very interesting. And and Sam, coming from Surprise, as, as we spoke about that, you know, they are really strategic and kind of boots on the ground, you know, marketing to promote the region's brand and uh now you're at GPEC, you know, the Greater Phoenix Economic Development. And for people out there that don't know, but a lot of everyone in the industry knows that GPEC is kind of the leader in brand marketing uh, in the industry. Um, and have there been any major takeaways from you coming from that grind of a smaller community using what they can to promote their region to a larger kind of, you know, established corporation that has that budget? Um, any tips for maybe EDOs on best practices that can be achieved regardless of the scope of your resources? Yes, that is an excellent question and one we really grappled with in surprise because we had one marketing person in our department. Uh, while fortunately at GPEC, we have a whole department of, you know, I think more than five now, and they're so talented. And what we really 
came to the conclusion and surprise, and this I think is true for all other uh, cities that don't have those type of resources, is imitation is the best form of flattery. Um, use those with the resources to your advantage. Um, my best example is, um, so GPEC launched a campaign several years ago called, it was hashtag CA struggles. And it was articulating all the things that are hard about doing business or living in California and highlighting all the ways it's easy to do business and live in Arizona, specifically in greater Phoenix. And so what surprised it, and I think all the cities in greater Phoenix and Arizona could have done is highlight how is it easy to live in your community? Or is there someone from California that can give the testimony of, oh yeah, I live that CA struggle and here's my story. And so that was something someone else came up with that was easy and free, aside from your time perhaps, to jump onto that momentum, like ride that wave um, that someone else has created instead of doing it yourself because you just have limited resources. So let's let's use somebody else's resources to, to generate that. Um, second idea, um, video marketing is still free. It's still free. Your phone is already there. It has video capability and YouTube is still free. Facebook is still free. So Janine and I had attended a professional development um, seminar when I first started there. And the facilitator asked the, t the crowd, why aren't you doing video marketing? It's so easy. It's free. People like it. It's authentic. It's easy to connect with your audience. And Janine and I looked at each other and like, why aren't we doing video marketing for all those same reasons? So that's really the impetus of where Snacks with Surprise came from, Bruce, that you mentioned. And it's just a easy, free, authentic, like low budget, the lowest budget possible. Literally, we were just buying snacks to share, which we were going to do anyway, is commune together, whether it was over lunch or um, like a lunch event or a dinner event or just having a snack together, why not record those conversations and publish them to feature people in our community that are doing great things either on the workforce side or as a business in surprise or working behalf on the region. Um, that one was, that's an easy one. That I think any community can take advantage of all it takes is your phone and an internet connection. Yeah. And bravery. No, <laughs> yeah. A little bravery too. Yeah. And I can add on that, like being here at the region, I only knew local economic development for, you know, my entire career and coming regionally. If you have a strong regional group in your community, latch on to that or state um, because you're already paying into it mm -hmm. in, in many ways. Oh, yeah. And our communities that are involved in our organization get the most bang for the buck because I see them often. I know what's going on in their community. And naturally, when I'm talking to a client offhand, their community stats are the ones that are top of mind for me because I just had lunch with them. I just saw them at an event. So engage with your regional economic development groups if they're strong and, you know, you're already paying for them. So you might as well get the bang out of your buck. Mm -hmm. Speaking of getting bang for their buck, GPEC sure did when they got UKC is now you're yeah. leading as the top 50 economic developers in North America by consultant and as named by consultant connects. So first off, congratulations on that big honor. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was very humbling uh, to receive the news. So thank you for that. Now, now, what a great rise you've had over the last few years. What advice would you give to aspiring economic developers who might listen to this podcast about how to reach the top, how to be in the top 50? Yeah. So I always tell aspiring economic developers, um, if you can work at the local level first, or at least have some type of experience at the local level or get to know your local level economic development practitioners, because that that 
that experience and that perspective is invaluable in economic development in general. If you want to go be a CEO, you're going to have to know how it how things work at the local level. So if you don't have the opportunity to work for a city or a county, at least become like get a mentor who is there. Um, additionally, something that has always um, stayed true to me is just being authentic um, and not um, portraying yourself to be someone that you're not. Um, if I don't know the answer to something, I'm going to say it. And, and clients can read the room. They'll know when they're, you're lying through their teeth. Um, and my enthusiasm and authenticity, I think, has uh, taken me a long way in this career just because it is so relationship driven. Um, but also you have to be a student to the game as well and understand all the nuances that happen on a project from the local level, the regional level to the state level. So just be a student and be authentic. And I think that you'll go far in economic development. Thank you. And Sam, I mean, you know more than anyone else that a career in economic development is a lifestyle. Um, people that are considering it specifically in investment attraction, business recruitment, if you will, they may not realize how much time that you have to sp spend away from home. Uh, I know Casey just said she was on a whirlwind of travel. I hope people realize that probably means mm -hmm. several countries, several regions, a lot of planes. Um, is there any advice that you would give maybe candidly to people considering a job in, in, in this industry, specifically yeah. in recruitment? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think that I'll follow on with, with what Casey was recommending of getting to know folks that are already doing it. Um, I, certainly you're going to go through an interview process and you're going to ask your questions and you're going to ask how much travel is involved, what are the expectations, what is it really? But as you're getting to know other folks in the industry, ask them, what's that actually like? This is what I heard in my interview. Is this true? And if it's true, what else haven't I asked that I should know? Um, so when people ask me, is there a lot of travel involved for me, it's about once a month, I can expect to go to a conference or perhaps, um, just a market visit once a month. And that's what I budget my time for. Um, and so I think that the advice is ask all the questions and you have to ask them not only of your employer, but ask them of yourself. How am I going to manage my personal energy? What do I like about traveling? If I'm up for this and I like traveling, what is it that I like about traveling? Because if it's sightseeing and the leisure part of traveling, it's going to be really difficult to get that out of this business travel because you're spending, especially if you're working for a city, public money, you're not getting extra time and days for personal time. So if you're wanting that personal time out of the travel, be prepared to tack on an extra day of PTO to see the things you want to see, go to the places you want to go. Um, yeah, so so I think you just have to ask a lot of questions around how am I going to be supported in this, both from my employer and my personal life. Casey, you mentioned uh, being a road warrior and uh, experiencing different cultures. Talk about some of your travels recently. What have you learned from different cultures? Where have you been? Tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, so um, where did I just get back from? I just got back from Boston, second time there. Great city um, for bio. We went for bio international. Um, internationally, I was just in Germany uh, for about five days on a market visit, and we also attended Hanover, uh, the advanced manufacturing trade show, um, for those who aren't aware. Um, and one thing that I will say, I really got to learn more about Germany's business economy, um, and that really helped me understand the nuances depending on where a company is from, if they're from East Germany versus West Germany, what does that mean, how is their... Um, 
How's their decision-making process different? Because depending on where you're from in Germany, there's different nuances. Um, but I think that that is something in particular. Also, I'm getting ready to head back to Canada uh, in two weeks, I want to say. I'm headed to Toronto and Montreal. I absolutely adore Montreal. Um, so I'm hoping to get... We, we, adore, you too. we adore you too, Casey. <laughs> I know. It's one of my favorite places in Canada. Montreal and Vancouver are two of my favorite cities. So I haven't been back to Vancouver in a minute. But yeah, I think just really when you're talking to clients, if you're traveling on for business... Talk to them about, like, if you want to learn more about the business economy, you can take things outside of the discussion of, of work, you know what I mean? And you can understand, you know, the culture a little bit differently. And that can really help you in your recruitment process. Um, and I do try to take some time to do a little bit of personal um, uh, travel before or after a trip has uh, begun or started or begun or concluded, just because the culture influences business decisions more heavily than you think. And if you have a baseline understanding of what a city is or what a country is, it really can help you uh, make a better pitch and seem more personable uh, to a client. But I'm excited to head back to Canada here soon. I'm also headed to Israel this year as well, which I'm really looking forward to because that's just going to I've never been in the Middle East. So I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of that. What's your favorite part of traveling? Favorite part of traveling? Not airports. I know what not what's not. Yes. If I could just teleport, that that would be my superhuman, yeah. yeah. like a superpower. Yeah. If I could just um, show up twenty minutes before the flight and it was all easy breezy, that would be great. Not these three hours and all this. Yeah. I know a lot of people come to me and they're like, oh my God, like you get to travel to so many places and I do, and I'm very blessed, do not get me wrong. But the logistics are the, are the worst part for me. Um, and then you lose a lot of sleep, believe it or not. And I'm not downplaying travel. I'm very grateful for it, but it's not as glamorous as, as many people uh, think yeah. it, it might be. And those who My travel- My advice to anyone often, out there is if you have an event, don't fly the morning of. It never works out. Oh, it never works. Yes, that's <laughs> More great advice. Law, something will happen. <laughs> yeah. I feel, like, I feel like the one thing I want to get out of the travel is I want to go to like the best food. Yes. That's what I want out of yes. my travel. I love getting to have- Same. Food. Yeah. Big I, foodie I, over I'm, here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that all I do is look up the restaurants and just do the, the top one. And- uh, yeah, the dream is to go to the Aspen Food and Wine one day. That's happening this weekend for any of the foodies out there listening. So that's that's uh, the dream out there. So hopefully, yeah. well, Amber, don't, don't you have a lead generation prospect you want to go visit there and just you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, do. I don't know if they're, they're willing to meet me at uh, the most famous event on a Saturday Sunday. But if they are, you know, Bruce, I mean, if you think that would be a great client, uh, <laughs> Let's, let's go for it. And, and Casey, by the way, you're the first American to come visit Montreal on the 4th of July. So we're excited to have you. And uh, sorry, there'll be no fireworks. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. I've, I've, I've celebrated a few holidays in other countries and I'm excited to celebrate 4th of July. But I also heard it's Canada Day. And then there's moving day at the same time. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going yeah. to a very festive part. We, we, we extensively warned you not to, as much as we wanted to come, we extensively warned you. I'm not sure anyone's going to want to lead Jen at that time, but it's, you're welcome <laughs> up here. And at the very least, you'll have, you'll have a good time. Now, I know you guys are both busy, but final question for both of you. Obviously, a lot of CEOs come out of GPEC. Obviously, you look at Danielle Casey, um, Stefan Farida, Rod Miller, just, and Janet Labar, just to name a few. I'm probably, and Janine, of course, we just talked about hers. And I'm probably missing a few others. They've done such impressive things. A lot of CEOs come out of GPEC, and you, you guys are obviously uh, the superstars of tomorrow and the superstars of today, obviously. 
Uh, what would you like to do? I guess, uh, I guess, app, you know, I guess, moving from GPAC, do you guys want to be CEOs of your own organization, or do you want to grow within GPAC? What are your future aspirations in economic mm-hmm. development for yourselves? Great question, Bruce. I love the opportunity to work at GPAC for all the reasons you have named already. It's been named best in the world, which then you could argue it's the best in the in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's not a small opportunity. And I'm soaking up every moment and everything I can learn from those around around me and the people I meet here. So I am hopeful for an opportunity following my time at GPEC that really allows me to do more of the things I love doing and less of the things I don't like doing. <laughs> um, and what that will end up being, I think, just changes the longer I'm here. So I don't have a super good answer for you on exactly what I want to do next, but I think something cool is probably what I'll do. How about your case? Yeah, I think for me, it's still kind of, like you said, a lot of the people that you mentioned went on to do different things. I don't have an aspiration to be a CEO, believe it or not. Um, That's not my goal in my career. If I could just be the number two to an organization, that would be success for me um, because I still think being a CEO is great. And I, I admire Chris and all of the others that have come out of this organization who've gone on to lead organizations but they, they deal with a lot of things um, as the CEO. And I just don't know if that's for me. Um, I'd rather be the support to them. Um, but I do know I, I have an aspiration to live abroad at some point. Um, abroad could include North America. Um, so we'll have to see. I do know that that's an aspiration that I am working towards. So we'll see where that ends, that um, mm-hmm. leads me. I'd welcome you in Vancouver. <laughs> yes, I love Canada. I will say that. I do love Canada. <laughs> Awesome. Well, guys, congrats on all your success. Thanks for coming on the show and looking forward to seeing you guys soon. Thanks again so much. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 